Well, today we continue in our journey through the Gospel of Mark. Um, And today, Jesus will um, be be talking about what is great. You know, what is success? What what is human greatness? You know, what is a a great life? What does this entail? You know, is it... And there's all kinds of scorecards, you know, that can tell you what is great. Uh, Who has the most money? Who has the most impact? Who has the most friends or who lives the longest or who lives the shortest? I mean, what is it that makes one great? What makes a, a great business? You know, is it financial profit? Is it change in the world? Is it the most employees? Is it the, the happiest employees? What, what makes one great? In sports, is it the one who has the most points? Is it the one who has the most championships? Is it the one who has the most players in the pros or the best fans or the most profit? What is great? And it can change. It can be different in different settings, you know, different questions. You know, like back to the sports analogy as I apply that to myself. You know, I play basketball uh, periodically with a bunch of old men. Yes, laughter is appropriate. It is rather funny. And uh, we do run up and down the court. And uh, um, uh, But, you know, what is a great game? Uh, after I finished a basketball game, well, I, I can tell you what that is. And it's changed over the years. And today at 54, a great basketball game is first and foremost, no injury. If there's no injury, then that is a victory. And then secondly, that there is sweat. You know, it's a good sweat and a good, a, a, a good cardio workout. And th- that, that then is it. That is a beautiful, wonderful, great game. And then what adds a cherry on top is if maybe I made more baskets than I missed. You know, if that then, that, but that's what now makes a great game. So what is great in the kingdom of God? What's the scorecard in the in the kingdom? And that's what Jesus is going to be talking about um, today. Um, uh, if you're here last Sunday, you've been following along. You know that last Sunday we really made a big turn. Mark made a huge turn in in his gospel and what he's writing. Uh, the the first eight chapters, there's you know. It is moving. It seems like he's in a motorboat crossing the Sea of Galilee. You know, I mean, it seems like every six verses he's going from one shore to the next and and healing this and that and casting out that demon, um, raising this person from the dead, feeding 4,000 here, 5,000 here, all in eight chapters. It's just healing after healing after healing, just demonstrating the power, the life-giving power of the kingdom of God, the, the reign and the rule of God, the, the way of heaven that Jesus has brought into the world. I mean, that's, that's what Mark is presenting. So he's presenting that in the first part of the gospel. And then, now he turns his face. He doesn't cross the sea anymore. Um, uh, the next, uh, the rest, the second half of the book, there's really only two or three healings. Um, uh, from here on out, and he is now, um, he presents, as we looked at last week, chapter 8, that 
he is destined to the cross in Jerusalem. He tells, he no longer speaks in parables. Mark tells us he's telling his followers plainly, I am heading to the cross. I'm going to die and be raised. But this is what greatness is. Follow me. And so now, the second part of the, the, this book, he's now going to be explaining. This is what greatness is. This is what it means to be great. And again, in, in chapter 8, it's where he says, if you want to be, one of the ways he says you want to be great, as he looked at then, was, well, that means you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. This is the way of the kingdom. This is the way that, that you, you follow me. This is what is great. Now, this is from the mouth of the one who's shown such great power, you know, who drew such great crowds, who ooed and awed us with all the, the healings and power over disease, over death, over demons, over the winds and the waves. This is the one that said, repent, turn your way, follow me, and trust in me. Now... He's going to show us what is greatness. And it's, it's challenging. God bless you. It's challenging word that he gives us. All right. Um, uh, Mark chapter 9, uh, starting with verse 33. Um, page 821 in your pew Bible, or you can uh, follow along in whatever form you have or on the screens that are available to you. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Now may your Holy Spirit strengthen each of us um, to, to hear from you, um, uh, to see how uh, what you're saying applies to us, continue to, to form us and change us, transform us so that we have your scorecard, that we understand what is great according to your definition. And that in the power of your Spirit, you continue to lead us. Um, into that greatness uh, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so, uh, verse 33 of Mark chapter 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Then they, um, that's Jesus and all the disciples and those with him, they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. 
For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink, because you bear the name of Christ, will by no means lose the reward. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So who or what is great? You know, back in the previous passage when Jesus told them, you know, I'm going to die. And he repeats it three times here in the second half. You know, the disciples argue with Jesus. You know, and so now as Jesus is walking with the disciples headed towards um, Jerusalem, eventually they're now arguing among themselves and Jesus just sort of walking with them. And you got to love the scene as the, you know, parent to child is there arguing. The children are arguing among themselves. And then Jesus comes, hey, what were you all talking about? And as we say these days, crickets. You could hear nothing but the crickets. They were silent, caught, caught in their natural tendency of playing the game according to the rules of the world. Angling for power, uh, angling for position, for fame, for prestige, for security. I mean, they're working among themselves trying to figure out, hey, Jesus is going to come. He's going to conquer all. Again, they had their the wrong notion. Even though Jesus has told them now twice, I'm going to die. This is a journey in this direction. They... Refuse to believe him and they don't understand at all. And so they're still arguing among themselves. Isn't this great news? Because these are disciples who've been hanging out with Jesus. They've seen what we've just been reading about. About all that he had done and his power over demons and disease and death and the winds. And they don't get it. So don't we feel in good company here? That we as well can be caught up in the power struggles of this world and can argue with one another. We can struggle with ourselves because we're living according to a set of rules that's the way of the world that's been formed in us because of our own society, our own culture and the, the what we value in this world. This is, this is great news. And it's, not, and it's great news because now it means we can be honest with ourselves here. We can be honest and, and recognize just how broken and sinful and selfish and the power of the world around us that leads us to, to aim for our own security, our own power, our own prestige, our own Provision. Because that's the way the world is. That, that, that's the scorecard of the world. And that's where they are, these guys are. It's about competition. It's about, it's a zero sum game. You know, there's only so, only one person can be first in line. Who gets to be first in line? I should be, says Mark. I should be, says Peter. I should be, says Luke. You know, they're going at it with one another. They're about themselves instead of Jesus. Subtle, I mean, and these guys have been with them 
promoting themselves, protecting themselves, instead of following and trusting and depending on Jesus. It's great because they're showing us what isn't great. Competing with one another. Distrust of one another. Focusing on me and my people instead of the other. They were silent because they were they knew their hand was in the cookie jar. And so again, we then are free to say, Yeah, how's my hand in the cookie jar? How am I living by a wrong set of rules? How am I living according to the ways of the world instead of the ways of the kingdom of God? How is my definition of greatness and success formed more by my own culture, the ways of Cincinnati, or the ways of the United States instead of the ways of heaven? And all of this is happening on a journey to the cross. Jesus has told him twice, and this is where we're going. We, we must understand that the way of Jesus can be, at its core, totally different than the ways of the world or even our own natural inclinations. What can be great in the ways of the world and even in our own minds can have absolutely no value. In the ways of Jesus. And the opposite. What can be great to Jesus can have absolutely no value in this world. That it just, just means absolutely nothing. You know, so, so in the world, you know, fame and fortune, possessions, even friends, even community, uh, th- these aren't bad. I mean, they're good things and in some ways necessary things. But it's just like they're just non-entities in the ways of heaven. It's like in my basketball game. I can't even tell you who won on Friday when I played. It's just a non-entity. So, verse 35, then Jesus calls them out. It's just great, you know? Look, they're there, hands in the cookie jar, and you get, Jesus just sort of, hey, hey guys, come here. Let, let's sit down. Right here. I mean, it's sort of the sense that he has. He just sort of calls, hey, let's sit down. Little, little, uh, um, teaching moment right here. And as he gathers with them, he gives them what is great in the kingdom of God. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and a servant of all. Not the greatest of all. I mean, the way of the kingdom is what Jesus already said. That means you, you die yourself. You take up your cross. You follow me. You serve others. Now, we have to be careful here. We have to be careful here because this is, it's not so much that he's even setting up a new set of rules. He's doing more than that. I mean, it's not, you know, because we are creative sinners. I mean, the, the, the capacity of sin within me, at least, is extremely creative. And it is always present. 
So if Jesus gives me a new set of rules, well, now the rules are not be first in line, but be last in line. Well, then what am I going to do? I'm going to, in some uh, ways that maybe are subtle, I'm still going to compete with you, but I'm going to compete with you not for first in line, but last in line. And so we're going to be a bunch of third graders fighting not for the first of the line to lunch, but the end of the line, because the end of the line gets the most dessert. You know, I mean, you know, that, that, so it's not a new set of rules. We're going it, to, it's a change of character. It's a change of what is important, that it's not about me being first in line. Matter of fact, it's not even, doesn't matter what position we have in line. That's, that's a non-entity in the ways of heaven. So, this is about a journey to, that the, the, because it was just, we just changed the rules. The core of sin within me and me being about me instead of what Jesus is calling me to will still lead to death. Even if I follow this rule. It will still lead to me being just a, a rebellious, selfish sinner. If I'm still competing for my own benefit. If I'm still making power grabs to get me and my people what we want or what is our due. Now, this is about the transformation that happens as we depend and trust in Jesus. And we step into the need and pain and helplessness of our world. Because what Jesus then does after that is he grabs a child that's there. Probably a young one. Maybe even a baby. And says, hey, grabs the child and we're told it hugs the child. Embraces the child in front of him. And then says uh, um, uh, to them as he's, he's holding the child in front of them. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. What he's saying there is whoever welcomes and receives, gives value to what the world says is valueless. It's pretty common understanding in first century days, babies were not useful. They had potential, but right now, babies were useless. Matter of fact, they were a drain. They were a nuisance from what was important to get done and accomplish in the world. They, babies do not build, they don't help, they don't sow fabric or sow seeds. They don't harvest or they don't cook. Uh, matter of fact, they just receive, they just take. And in those days, I mean, grant, grass in those days, very high mortality. So there was no guarantee, no thought that they were going to maybe one day be useful. They actually had to get to a certain age around two or three that then, okay, hey. Now maybe they're worthwhile. Maybe now we know what we pour into them will come out. 
What Jesus is telling the disciples is that this child has, has great value in the kingdom. And what maybe the world might call value less, we now call valuable because God does. And so then it's an illustration. Not just about children, but about saying there are other things that the world calls valueless that we call valuable. That now our attention is not upon what best serves me, but what best serves you. What, what is the best for the other? It's, it's not about me. It's about the way of Jesus. We're on this way, the way Jesus is going to the cross. What is best for the glory of God? What is best for God's creation? Not what is best for Jesus in his humanity. So what it means for me is that I refuse to see you as a problem. And you refuse to see me as one. But we see each other as human beings that God has placed before us. I don't see another, even if they're an unruly child, even if they're an undocumented child, even if they're an unwanted child in the womb. Did I cover all my bases there? (laughs) Yeah. They don't compete with me. I don't compete with them. Because in the kingdom, they are one that I now serve. They are not useless, even though they might feel that way. They are not draining, even though they might feel that way. Even in their uncertainty, even though they might take and not give. Jesus says, as I receive him in his name. As I welcome him in his name. Then get this. Verse 37. I welcome him. Oh, this is really... Okay, so this isn't just some journey in masochism. Just so, just devoid of self and just give, give, give. No, this is about following Jesus. Experiencing Jesus. Experiencing the one who gives life. It says, as you welcome this one that the world calls useless and you say, no, they are valuable. You are welcoming me and you're welcoming the Father. This is intimacy with me in the midst. This is like prayer. This is spiritual. Just like Isaiah talks about this when he talks about the true fast. The true fast is when you welcome the homeless in your home. When you give clothing, it's Isaiah 58, you give clothing to the naked. Or in Matthew where Jesus tells us, you know, as much as you've done unto the least of these, you have done unto me, as Matthew 25. Here he says, when you welcome him, then you welcome me. In his name and in his power, we encounter Jesus in this as we live according to the ways of heaven. I mean, this is what Jesus did, right? One, we, we're following after Jesus. He put down power, right? He put down privilege. He, he left the comfortable confines of heaven and then in, became human and entered into the world. 
filled with pain and, and chaos and sin in order to serve. Now, some of you, many of you, you, you do this. You put yourself in these kind of situations when, when you tutor a child who may not get it at all. Who may be fidgety, may sleep, may show up half the time. But you're faithful. You're entering into that chaos. When you care for those who are ill. Men who just take and take and can't get it. It's not their fault. I mean, they're ill. But you're doing that and that still, that still takes its toll. And you don't know what the future holds. Or when you you care for children who are orphans in foster care through adoption. Or when you welcome and walk with and do what is best for, for children who are indeed unruly. You care and befriend those who face mental illness or developmental issues. It can be hard, it can be draining, but keep your eyes open in those settings and in the other places where those that so easily can say are valueless and we give them value. Keep your eyes open for Jesus because He's there. It's what He says. This is what's great. In the kingdom of God. Now, so this is a journey. This is a, a journey of, of trusting Jesus. Jesus started, Mark started the gospel by telling us Jesus, uh, calling us to say, repent, you know, turn away, turn away from the ways of the world. This is what the world says is valuable. It might even be our own natural inclinations. Turn away from going that way and give yourself to following Jesus to trust him. So the challenge before us is not one just to work up the gumption to go be more of a servant. But to trust Jesus. To to walk with Him. To pursue Him through His Word and through prayer and community with one another. To let Him continue to do that transformation within us. So that he does that work. Granted, we still step into it. We still step into those places of pain and chaos. Those places that the the world says are valueless. That God says is valuable. We still step into those. But in so doing, we are looking for Jesus in the midst of those places. The great news here is that... Anybody can be great. Anybody. It doesn't mean yeah, you don't have to have a, a quick mind or a great mind or an entrepreneurial spirit for you to be great here. You don't have to have 4-1 four, four speed in the 40. You don't have to have a vertical jump. You don't have to have a great three-point shot or be able to bench press 500 pounds. Simply, a trust and a dependence on Jesus 
to form us and change us into being servants to the needs and the pain and the struggles that's around us. And that's what Jesus says is great in the kingdom of heaven. That's how we experience Him and His life and His fullness, His beauty and His love.